When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before, but hospital-grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask, no Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doingourpart. Joe Getty of the Armstrong and Getty Show said, what you hear will give you an electric shock. It's one more thing. Armstrong and Getty. One more thing. I was very meta, as the kids say. I was intentionally misquoting one of my idiotic catchphrases. What you hear will shock you. Mm. What you hear will give you an electric shock. Uh, There's a really good piece by Clay Travis, who's like the head guy at Outkick.com. It used to be called Outkick the Coverage. It's a sports website, kind of contrarian. Jason Whitlock writes for it. Uh, Jason, who we've uh, quoted many times, he's a... We even interviewed him quite a ways back. But, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. It's been ages since we talked to him, but um, he he wrote that column uh, recently, essentially calling out BLM and uh, Black Lives Matter and the critical race theory stuff is just being bunk and called the uh, LeBron James a bigot and the rest of it. Well, Clay Travis, the head guy there, um, he was the subject of a twenty three hundred word story in the Washington Post. And he's writing about that because he talked to him several weeks ago, I guess. And and he told him he was going to do this. He recorded the entire interview. Boy, he was smart to do that. Yeah. And then he knew what he was dealing with. Had it transcribed. And it's 28 pages single spaced. That's a lot of talking. Yeah. They talked for like an hour and a half. Um, And then he points out the article, which was 2,300 words about him. Includes 94 of his words, and that's it. It's uh, like one, three, two-sentence quote, and then some fragments and stuff. There are almost none of his words, and the words that are in there, they misquoted them or quoted them out of context. Well, you and I have only been in a couple of situations where it mattered, where we got interviewed for stories. How many times have they gotten it wrong? Oh, every time. Every time. To be quoted is to be misquoted. Every time. And using very few quotes like this guy and getting it wrong. It's it's very troubling. Yeah. Yeah. And um it's it's cool that he he calls them out on it, but he makes the point that we made several times that anytime we see an article about the radio business, for instance, in New York Times, Washington Post, any one of those publications, you read it and think, Oh, that's not true. That is true, but in that context, it's completely misleading. And the rest of it, you think somebody reads that article, they're completely uninformed about what the radio business is. And then you think, well, why would any other profession be any different? Um, And it's true. The first time I was ever quoted in a newspaper article uh, as an adult, um, guy interviewed me in Salina, Kansas about the... Oh, you know what it was? It was about that trivia night that I used to host at uh, Mm -hmm. Shooters Bar Mm -hmm. and Grill. Is that the name of it? Damn good burgers there. Woo! Anyway, um, and and he, he asked me, uh, uh, I had a quote in there that I can't remember. It had to do with, uh, why do you think it works so well, blah, blah, blah. And, and the quote that I said in the paper was more or less, because cause me talk goodly at people's. And 
I was really kind of proud of being able to string together a sentence. This guy quoted me like I was a caveman or something, and it was something I would never say. And I was so bummed by that. Mm. But I was, you know, early 20s. I, I had no idea. Oh, that's just, you can expect that. Um, and he mentioned some of the specifics. Um, you know, I have a lot of fans in the White House. was actually, I have a lot of listeners in the White House. And, um, uh, da, da, da. you know, it, it would take too much context to explain how a lot of them are out of context. Um, but it's amazing. And he makes the point at the end, he says, most people don't have a platform to push back or have the resources I do. I have a media company to, you know, to get this out there. And so how often does this happen where people are misquoted or misrepresented and they just, they have no way to get their side out again? Right, right. Yeah, they imply that he's going for the right wing audience by you know, he puts several sentences together. He says, there's a knife fight for the 20% of sports fans that I would say are woke or are left wing. I think people are cutting each other left and right, battling to be the media company that serves that left wing component. That's clearly true. Um, and then they switch to something that makes it sound like he wants to be right wingy. When the next thing he said, yeah, that's absolutely true. The next thing he said is... Um, I hope that the left and right, all of them, I hope they read OutKick. I hope 100% of sports fans, and frankly, I wish 100% of everyone in the world uh, of the American Internet visited our website. Um, to me, the driving force behind OutKick is to be smart, to be fearless, to appeal to a large audience that doesn't feel like they're being served by the marketplace. But, you know, that that quote didn't make it in because that kind of upset their 2,300-word narrative that he was some right-wing nut who's trying to get college football going just to serve Trump. I didn't read the article, but that's the way he describes it, essentially. Um, since you brought up sports, and I didn't get this jam this in on our radio show, I'll put it in here. I thought this was really interesting. The National Basketball Association, for which, which for many, many years, what you wanted to do if you were a team that was not very good is get the biggest college player coming out, the tallest guy out there, and build your team around him. Because having the big, tall center... With his back to the basket was the way to win. Mm-hmm. That has changed so much in not very many years. The Houston Rockets, who are going deep in the playoffs, don't play anyone taller than six foot eight. Really? Yeah. Wow. Their starting center is six five. Isn't that amazing? That's how much it's changed. And the, the the Warriors had to have a big role in that, right? The Golden State Warriors. I mean, they did have a tall center, but I mean, it was all about running around and shooting threes, not backing it in and. This is about the slow realization of how much better a shot the three-point is than most two-point shots. And uh, the the mathematics analysts have, you know, they've run the simulations and done the algorithms. And, you know, it's just better to shoot 63 pointers in a game than it is to try to do old school, you know, Charles Barkley post and repost and, you know, the, that, that kind of old school basketball. Wow, that's that's it's more fun to watch. There's no doubt about that. The old NBA, though, whoever the big center was, Patrick Ewing or Hakeem or whoever, you go down, you throw the ball, they back up, they throw it out. <laughs> it takes like five minutes. And eventually, <laughs> Finally, they're close enough to heave in some sort of awkward-looking half hook or, or bank it off the board or whatever. So there are guys like all over the country the size of Shaq who are thinking, well, I guess computer science is promising. <laughs> Because backing your big old booty into the lane and knocking people backwards just is it's not a way to make a living anymore. 
Yeah, when I don't know if you've studied this, Sean, but the three-pointer, you get half again as many points as a two-pointer. It's a 50% increase in points. You know, the math checks out on that. Yeah. But there, so there <laughs> yeah, are, I should probably be writing for OutKick. There, there are really only about three or four centers in the league that when they play the Rockets, they can keep them on the floor in meaningful minutes. Like but, they, they, they have committed themselves to the strategy in such a way that it alters the way that other teams can play them. That's just amazing, though. Yeah. If you went back 20 years, the idea that you're going to go deep in the playoffs with nobody over 6'8", you'd think, oh, that's just not possible. Right. Well, and then you get uh, the guys who are 6'11", they play like uh, shooting guards, a lot of them. Mm. It, the, the league is becoming like a homogenized, they are all like six foot six to six foot eight multi-dimensional players. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, very, very rarely are there just kind of specialists yeah. anymore. So if you're seven, two and plotting and eh, just, you know, don't have, you, you could get, I remember uh, hearing Tom Tolbert on in uh, San Francisco because he was one of these guys. Uh, back in the day, if you're seven foot tall, you could get in the NBA. If you could really, if you could stand up upright. That's about all you had to be able to do to be able to be on an NBA <laughs> roster. That wouldn't work anymore. Yeah. So yeah. if you're a pituitary case, I guess you got to get the role as a Frankenstein at a local haunted house or something <laughs> like that. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. You know, I'm, I, I, well, okay, that's getting really sportsy. Never mind. Forget <laughs> it. I won't bore you. Come over to my house. We'll have a couple of pops. I'll tell you my old stories. Fantastic. Well, I guess that's it. When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before, with hospital-grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask, no Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doingourpart.